The following sermon was delivered to Christ Central Church in order to further our knowledge and adoration of who God is. We pray that it displays the hope found in Christ and strengthens your faith in Him. Good morning. If you have a copy of God's Word, would you join me, Hebrews chapter 11? By this point, it should just fall open there. Hebrews chapter 11. This morning we continue our study on faith, on what faith is, what faith does, how faith has been illustrated for us in the lives and the events from the Old Testament. And so this, this morning, we cover three, thing, three um, verses, um, three different events, and we see three things about faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 29 through 31. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians... When they attempted to do the same, were drowned. Faith takes the unconventional path. Faith takes the unconventional path. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. Faith makes... The unconventional plan. And by faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Faith uses the unconventional person. Faith takes the unconventional plan. Faith makes the unconventional, or takes the unconventional path. Faith makes the unconventional plan. And faith uses the unconventional person. Before we dig in, it it, it might be helpful for us um, to, by way of reminder, to have just a, a high level view of the importance of, of faith. You know, it, it can be lost on us if we're not careful what it is we're talking about, especially when we dig in and work verse by verse through passes, passages of, of, the, of the scriptures. I don't, I don't want us to, to lose the vital importance of faith. So why is it that faith is so important? Why is it that the writer of Hebrews would devote an entire chapter to it? Why is it that we as a a congregation would take months to, to study it? Well, it's simple. That without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith... 
It is an impossibility for me or my life or for you or your life to be of any pleasure to God. Now, maybe you're wondering why that matters. I'll tell you why that matters. Whether you believe that matters or not, it does because you exist and I exist by God alone. He is the creator of all things. He is the, the sovereign one. And if he is creator, and if we are created by him in his image, and if our very existence exists for his glory, if that's why you were made and that's why we were, were, were made, I, I was made, then it should deeply matter to us whether or not our lives are of uh, a pleasing nature to him. There's, there's, so, there's so much that parades itself as Christianity um, that, that really is, is just some sort of you know, quasi-self-help mumbo-jumbo about you know, finding and living in your, your, your purpose. We, we can sort of cut through all of the, the confusion. We, we can, we can, we can you know, boil down and in, in many cases correct all of the books that are written. We can shorten all of the sermons on finding your purpose. Your purpose and my purpose is for our lives to bring glory to God. Amen. Westminster Catechism ha- has, it, has it right. We're Baptists, but we let our Presbyterian colors show sometimes. That the chief end of man, the main reason why you exist and the main reason why I exist. I don't don't know if you're a contemplative person enough to sit down and wonder, why is it that I even exist? But here it is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. If If that's the purpose of our life, we, we, can, we can try our hardest. We can, we can be our best. We can be our truest. But if we lack faith, we bring him no glory. And in us, he finds no pleasure. And so our purpose in life is, is, is thwarted. We must have faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Everything, everything depends on faith. We have received all sorts of promises from God. All of those promises are received through faith. Through faith. That's, that's what the writer of Hebrews is, is showing us here. That all of these great promises that, that stretch their way all the way back to the garden, all the way back to Cain and Abel, all the way through Abraham and through Moses and through Isaac and through Jacob and um, all the way through, all of those promises are, are fulfilled, are given to us through faith. Faith is the determining factor. Faith. The necessity for salvation, 
for Christian growth, for a life pleasing to God, to be used for His glory, and to enjoy Him for all of eternity. The determining factor is faith. And so it is then important that we know what faith is and that we know how faith works and that we can know what it is and see how it works in such a way that we are then able to identify it and we're able to identify it in our own life and we're able to identify it in the lives of of others. This is why faith is so important. This is why we have spent this um, expansive amount of time on on faith, on faith. The author has has taken us through a number of verses, um, tracing a, a chronological thread through history and um, a great many of, of those verses as of late, have dealt with the life of Moses and, and his faith. And I, I talked about a, a few weeks ago why that is, why it is that the writer of Hebrews has spent so much time on Moses in particular because Moses represents the law. It was through Moses that God gave his law. And, and the writer of Hebrews is writing to, to these Hebrew Christians and these Hebrews who aren't, aren't yet Christians. And there's this, this um, growing encouragement inside of, of this congregation or these congregations, um, these, these uh, false doctrines and, and theologies um, coming in, attempting to pull back from, from Christianity, from faith alone in Jesus Christ, back into um, law-keeping. That our, our righteousness before God, our, our acceptance before God, our ability to live a life that is pleasing to Him and glorifying to Him depends on our ability to keep the law. And so what the writer of Hebrews is writing is to say, no, it depends not on our works, it depends on our faith. And the main one is Moses. Look at Moses, the one who gave us the, the law himself, his life. Depended on faith. And then so he, he, he takes this, um, these, these verses, longest section in Hebrews 11, and devotes it to the life of, of Moses. And this study of Moses culminates. And it, 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 it finds its culmination here in verse 29. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. Now it, it doesn't mentioned Moses explicitly, but obviously he is there implicitly. And this culmination now is on the faith of not just Moses, um, but also the, the faith of the Israelites as they, by faith, take the unconventional path and cross the Red Sea. By faith, the people cross the Red Sea. How did they do it? They did it by faith. They did it as if they were on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. Here's how the story goes, and that is that after a number of plagues, there culminates with the plague of the firstborn. 
And Pharaoh and all the Egyptians after it insisted on Israel's departure. Enough is enough. We can't take it anymore. Take your things and go. Yet as they are leaving, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. His heart was hardened by God towards the Israelites. And again, he decides to crush them. And so he chases after them with his army and his chariots. And so as you could well imagine, the the Israelites began what would become a, a common theme for them. They responded to the pursuing army, not in faith, but in fear. And they blamed Moses for their destruction. You can, you can imagine a group of people who've been enslaved now for centuries with the belongings that they can carry, a large number of them, lots of children. They had multiplied greatly in the land. Lots of children, lots of belongings on their way out. And here comes an army. Exodus chapter 14, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, It's because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die into the wilderness. Is it because there's no graves there? Is that why you just brought us out of here so it would be convenient to bury us? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. I mean, what great folks. What great folks. I'm telling you, these are Baptists. I believe it with my whole heart. Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. The Egyptians, whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Can you imagine an army bearing down on you? A sea before you, nowhere to go, impending doom and death. And Moses, in faith, says, I got a a battle plan here. Sit down and be quiet. Just be silent, and God will fight for you. You see, what Moses had learned by this point, that maybe the people of Israel hadn't quite gotten yet, is that God was faithful to His promises. And God was going to grant success and deliverance to His people. 
And so God responds. Looking up in verse 16. He tells Moses, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. That the people of Israel may, may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness. And it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night long. So here's, here's God moving. This is a, a theophany, a pillar of, of cloud and darkness and fire moving in behind the Israelites to protect them from, the, un, from the, the incoming army of the Egyptians so that they could not get to them. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove back the sea with a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen, all of them. And in the morning, in the morning watch, the Lord... And the pillar of fire and the cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels as they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course, and the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea, and the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained, but the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So now the people, no longer in fear of the Egyptians, they feared the Lord. And they believed in the Lord and in his servant, Moses. The Israelites were at a point of no return. And they had to, they were forced to, by faith, step out onto the dry seabed. I mean, you talk about faith. I mean, we read that, we watch it on TV, Charleston Heston. But can you imagine 
walls of water on both sides. Unlike anything you had ever seen before, I can guarantee you they had never seen anything like this. Because nothing like this had ever happened before. The sheer force of water. That's a dangerous place to be, isn't it? That's a dangerous place to be. Here next week in Uganda, Conrad's, he's seen this with me. We'll, we'll, hopefully, we'll, me and Mark will be able to go to Murchison Falls, most powerful waterfall in the world. It's not the biggest, but just the sheer force of water. The Nile is forced into a space that's not even as, as wide as this room. It's unbelievable, the sheer force. And you stand on the edge, and it's, it's, it's a little like, you know, if I slip, I'm gone here, you know. I mean, can you imagine standing in the middle? Both sides. That's a dangerous place to be. Hey, if you don't believe me that it was dangerous, just ask the Egyptians. You can't. But by faith, they put one foot in front of the next. And they trusted in the Lord. Church, this is what faith does. It causes us to take one step at a time following after God. And guess what? At times, that faith will lead us to an unconventional path. It'll take us to a place that doesn't seem right to our human eyes or or our intuition. But God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And His ways are not our ways. And His plans are not our plans. And at times, it may feel like that if you actually obey God, that He's going to put you in some kind of bind. It's going to put you in a place that's not very safe. But faith trusts God even in the unconventional path. And faith follows God anyway. See, faith isn't, it isn't just some cognitive determination that we make in our minds. Faith is active. Real faith is active. And it is following God. It is following His Word. It is following His leading. And He will take us, at times, down unconventional paths. Does it get any more unconventional than through the dry bed of the Red Sea? But faith follows. This is salvation. Salvation by faith alone. This is what we believe. This is what what Protestant brothers have given their lives for. That salvation, real, genuine, saving faith, that, 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 that salvation from God, that it is ours, it belongs to us by faith and faith alone. Faith plus nothing else. That goes totally against our natural inclinations, right? I mean, naturally, 
we, we think, well, surely we must, do, we must do something to make things right. After all, we're the ones that messed it up. That's just how we work, right? Like, we got ourselves into this mess. We got to find a way to get ourselves out of it. That's, that's human inclination. Guess what? I, I believe that, that, that the evil one uses that as a means to keep people away from saving faith. Because saving faith itself takes an unconventional path. Human nature says, work to make it right. God says, just believe and I'll make it right. Faith says, you can atone for your mistakes. Or not faith, but, you know, human inclination. Saving faith says, Jesus did the atoning for me and all I have to do is Believe. Salvation itself is an unconventional path. You can't get to God outside of an unconventional path. And as we follow Him, He is going to lead us at times through some unconditional or some unconventional paths. Salvation is by faith, and it is simply just be silent trust in the Lord's work and His saving hand for you. Trust in God to deliver you. This is why. This is why Moses sang the song that we just read. And Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider He has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise Him. My Father's God, and I will exalt Him. Faith brings us to the unconventional path. The unconventional path to salvation and the unconventional path as we follow with God in His leading. But not only does faith take the unconventional path, faith also makes the unconventional plan. This is verse 30. We move forward now, um, chronologically, about 40 years. And by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. Get the fast forward button. The, the writer of Hebrews hits the fast forward button. He, he, he bounces over 40 years here. You know why he just bounces over 40 years? Because they were 40 years of a lack of faith. That's why. He's talking about faith, and this is a lack of faith. Squirrel. Huh? Did you? We're about to have the Mississippi Squirrel Revival. <laughs> Ray Stevens in the house. <laughs> Forty years of a lack of faith. But finally, God has brought His people to the promised land. Moses, he's dead. Guess how he died? He died in faith. And Joshua is the leader, and God command for him is to be strong and courageous and God tells them, do not fear. Why? Because fear is the opposite of, of faith. And so the first test comes for 
This generation of Israelites, as they enter into this land that God has, has promised them, the first test comes at the fortified city of Jericho. Here, standing at the entrance of the promised land. A city with a wall around it that protects it, that fortifies it. And a ragtag group of nomads. So what would the people of Israel do? Here they are again. They found themselves outnumbered. They found themselves outmatched, just like the banks of the Red Sea. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13 says, When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No. But I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and, and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Now, I, I personally believe this is a Christophany, that this is Jesus Christ, reincarnate Jesus Christ here. You may say, Well, why, why, what makes you say that? It doesn't say that. It doesn't. However, um, God and God alone is worthy of our worship and should receive our worship. And um, it seems that this angel of the Lord uh, took this worship of Joshua. Leads me to believe this is a, a Christophany. This is pre-incarnate Christ. What does the Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Skip down to chapter 6. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out, no one came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city all the men of war going around the city at once. Thus, sh thus you shall do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark. And on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up, every one straight before him. Now that there is a pretty strange battle plan. You're going to take a walk over and over again. You're going to blow some horns, and you're going to holler real loud. That's a strange battle plan. Unless God is with you. Unless you follow in faith. Because faith at times makes unconventional plans. Trumpets have no power to topple walls. Shouts can't move cities. But faith, faith can accomplish all sorts of things. And to trust in the Lord and to depend on Him, to wait for Him to move and to supply and to strengthen and to lead is 
according to the world, an unconventional plan. But faith makes unconventional plans. Sometimes the ways of God are different from our ways. The plans of God different from our plans. Sometimes He takes us on paths that are unconventional and He causes us to make plans that are unconventional. But faith follows. Now, have you ever stopped and asked yourself, why in the world did God determine to topple Jericho in this manner? And it's strange. This is a strange way. I mean, there were times where God used armies to topple cities. God uses the, the, the mighty men of Israel to fight battles and, and win. Why here, in this first instant, why are you taking a walk, blowing a horn, and hollering? Well, I believe so that it's He and He alone who would get the glory. You see, here's the reality for my life and the reality for your life is that when God uses unconventional plans, things that seem counterintuitive, when we come to a decision and our minds and our hearts in their, in their uh, human frailty and sinfulness say we should do these things or respond these ways, but when we come to God's Word and we see the opposite, And we go, you know, it just doesn't sound like a real rational decision. Could it be that God has ordained it that way so that He and He alone gets His glory? God takes us on unconventional paths, leads us through unconventional plans so that He and He alone gets the glory. And the exact same thing is true when he uses the unconventional person. Verse 31, By faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. So here's the story before the battle of Jericho. Spies went out into the land to, to scope it out. And Jericho's leadership kind of um, sniffed out their presence. And, and sought to, to capture them. And these spies sent in there are now in danger. But God is sovereign and He has a plan. And this plan means using an unconventional person. And God uses Rahab. Here's what one commentator says. At the moment, there seemed not one chance in a million that the children of Israel should capture Jericho. These nomads from the desert had no artillery. They had no siege engines. Yet, Rahab, Rahab, she believed. And she believed in such a way that she staked her whole future on the belief that God would make the impossible possible. You know, you would think maybe God would find a priest. Maybe God would find a, a pastor. He finds the unconventional person. Here's what Rahab had to say. I know that the Lord has given you the land. 
and that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Shion and to Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. There was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Guess what that is? That's faith. That's faith. God uses an unconventional person to accomplish His unconventional plans. He uses Rahab. You want a great study? Go, 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 go study and read about the, the scarlet cord hung out. And how even today there's a scarlet cord of blood that draws us up to heaven in Jesus Christ. You see, what Rahab had was faith. And it was the kind of faith that she banked everything on. And it was according to her faith that she and her family were saved. You see, faith uses the unconventional person. Rahab saved from destruction. By what? By her faith. These are my two thoughts on Rahab. One is that she was saved by faith. That's how she was saved. Her life was physically saved by faith. And and I would go so far to say spiritually saved by faith. That was a confession of faith. Hey, guess what? So are we, church. So are we. We are saved by faith and faith alone. By faith and faith alone, we are saved only by the scarlet cord, the blood of Jesus Christ that atones for our sins. He was saved by faith, and so are we. And then second, the second thing that just jumps off the page, and what it means for God to use the unconventional person is that to be used by God requires faith, not perfection. If you want your life to be used by Him, if you want it to count for Him, if you want your life to be glorifying to Him, it depends not on your perfection. What did Rahab have except a a string of failures, a life of sin? What did she have that she could offer to the holy God of Israel. Only faith. But that's all it takes. If we want to be used by Him, if we want our lives to count for something greater than ourselves, if we want to really glorify God and enjoy Him forever. It depends not on your perfection, but on your faith. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm, that's really good news. Because I am far from perfect. But God uses the unconventional person 
because he gets the undisputed glory. This is faith. This is faith. It's more than a, just a simple intellectual understanding. You can sit and you can hear the sermons and you can read the Bible and you can listen to your parents. You can sit and you can listen and you can listen and you can listen and you can hear and you can hear and you can hear and you can understand. You can see how it fits together. You can give the right answers. None of that's enough. That's the, that's the, the entry point to saving faith. Real, genuine, saving faith follows God down this unconventional path of simply putting all our trust on Him to save us. Through an unconventional plan to honor Him, to obey His Word by using unconventional people, sinful but with faith. Faith steps out and follows. Faith steps out and follows. Man, I wish I could preach next week's text for you. I'll just front load it a little bit. When God takes us on an unconventional path and uses unconventional plans and by His grace uses these unconventional people, sometimes we triumph. And other times we're sown into. But faith says, I'll follow no matter what. Lord, thank you that you are gracious to us um, to reveal yourself to us through your word, um, to show us who you are, to, to move and to use people throughout history as examples of faith. And Lord, I do pray we would have eyes to see what faith is, what faith does, to see how you have proven yourself faithful and your faithfulness calls us to faith in you. No matter if you lead us down an unconventional path or you make unconventional plans and you certainly use unconventional people, may we, as your people, as your children, seek to live a life that glorifies you according to our faith, a faith that follows you. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to this Christ Central Church sermon series. To find our gathering location and more sermons, visit ChristCentralChurch.net.